Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hi, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, and it's about to be fantastic. You get to meet the amazing Holly Steele. Like, when you look at all the people I've ever met in lots of years, like 40 years, Holly is one of the superstars. She is everything from an artist and author to a leader of her industry to innovator, fashionista, and always such a bright light. Holly, welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Thank you, Betsy. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm happy because you have so much to tell all the people listening um, about your journey and your life and so many great things. And um, you know, when you look at really successful people like you that have so many areas you've succeeded and so many awards and everything, you know, people always say, oh, it's so easy for Holly. It was just a piece of cake. It was a cakewalk. And um, so I always like to go back in the Wayback Machine. So will you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of your background? Like, you know, how was it? What was it in your life that inspired you to head toward hospitality and to be such an innovator in really everything you've touched, but especially in the hospitality world? Well, the truth is I couldn't get a job in what I went to college for because I had a master's degree in special education and I taught school for several years, but then I was like, I have to move to San Francisco. I have to move to San Francisco. So I did and thinking, well, of course I'll get a job. I have a master's in special ed. Well, there were no jobs, none, zero. There was absolutely no jobs for special educators in the, um, when was it? It was in the middle seventies and I, I, I couldn't do it. So I needed a job. So I looked around and I thought, well, what do people do here? So what happens in San Francisco? Well, tourists happen in San Francisco. Well, where do they go? Well, they go to hotels. So I went to work in a hotel, but actually what really happened, I did go to work in a hotel, but what happened was, um, I worked in a tour desk inside of a hotel, and it was in 1976. And Grayline, uh, Grayline had a monopoly in San Francisco, and they had gone on strike. So all these wildcat tour companies during the bicentennial just, you know, just opened up. And I literally called this woman that I knew and said I needed a job, and she said, "Oh, I'm opening up a tour company. I'm." I have a desk at the Hyatt and the Holiday Inn. Do you want to work there? I was like, oh, sure. Oh, okay. She says, which one do you want? I said, well, I'll take the Hyatt. So I get this job at the Hyatt selling tour tickets in the back of the lobby. And literally, for real, I was making $25 a day. Oh, and, my gosh. <laughs> and a friend of mine said, you can't make $25 a day. You have a master's degree. That's ridiculous. I said, I don't know. There's something really pulling me to this. And I went for a walk. And during this walk, I just kept saying, show me a sign, God. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. And really, hand to God, I got somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, but could you give me directions to the Hyatt on Union Square? <laughs> I said, there's the, yeah, I can. Actually, I'm going there myself. And 
I took this little $25 a day job selling tour tickets in the back of the lobby. And uh, one day I went to the ladies room and when I came back, Grayline had settled their strike and they had pickets in front of the hotel. And so they called me into the office and they said they were going to close the desk. And I said, what? I lost my job. I went to the bathroom. They said, yeah. And I said, oh, well, what are we going to do now? And I said, they said, well, do you want to work for us? And I said, okay. And then, <laughs> um, and then um, I started, I literally was walking down the street and saw a magazine that it was town and country magazine. And it said, nothing but nothing phases the omnipotent concierge. I went, oh, that's interesting. And I got this magazine and I read it and I said, I want to be an omnipotent concierge. That's what I do. And so I learned about the hotel concierge and I drove all my management completely crazy until they moved my desk into the middle of the lobby. And, and I was, they, I made them call me the concierge. And then um, one day a guy called me and I answered the phone concierge and he was like dumbfounded because it was a woman. And he said, oh, uh, you're the concierge? I said, I am. Because well, it turned out that in San Francisco, uh, up at the Fairmount Hotel, they were starting a concierge association in the United States. So I was in the right place at the right time to become the first female concierge in the world. Oh, that's, you know, I knew part of that backstory. But I didn't really know about the tour part and that, you know, you just kind of said yes and said yes. Um, and to be there at the beginning because so you got in, you were the first woman. And then how long was it till other women came along into that industry? Well, not that long, actually, because, you know, you know how it is, like when things are invented, uh, usually a few people are doing it at the same time. Uh, so there was um, some female concierge in Chicago and there were female concierge in Seattle. And uh, so it was all kind of starting right at this time. And so because I was in San Francisco where they were putting it together, I got to actually be the first woman because I was the first woman ever invited to go to one of these meetings. Um, but it, when one when I went to my first international meeting, which was in uh, Vienna in 1978, it was the first time women had ever gone. And there was a female concierge in Sweden and then the, another lady from Chicago and myself. We were the only three women there and there was hundreds and hundreds of men. And I, I can remember uh, dancing at the Schwarzenberg Palace, uh, waltzing actually when, you know, I was in my late twenties and uh, with people from all over the world. So I, I've, I've been smitten by the world of the concierge and all these years later, I, I, I still, if, if I see a excellent concierge at work, I, I, I think it's one of the most artistically beautiful things there uh it's just an art form that i've still after all these years <laughs> uh anyway yeah so it's something that is really a passion and has been all these years which i'm i'm kind of amazed by that but it's still true well i know you have not only um, you've left your desk i'm going to say it that way from the early days of being in one place you have gone on to write oh my gosh industry books you've done training all over the world you've done speaking all over the world and you are super well connected around the world. So you might just need to tell people listening, you know, a little bit about your career that way. And, and how did that fit together? Because a lot of people go into something, right? And then they stay in their thing. Where I see you, 
embracing the entire field of concierge globally, building all these relationships, and then serving in leadership and serving by creating products. So tell us a little bit about how all that worked. Well, as I told you, I was a teacher before I was a concierge. And so when, when, when I couldn't get a job as a teacher and became a concierge, one of the very early thoughts that I had was, wow, this is so fantastic. I could teach this. I mean, this was in, you know, 1979. I thought, I, I'm going to teach this. And in those days, I mean, there was like nobody wanted to they didn't know what a concierge was, for Christ's sake, let alone to teach it. And uh, I just kept gathering information. And I, I, I kind of knew it from the beginning that that's what I wanted to do because I saw the concierge as such a, a brilliant opportunity to express service from the most amazing vantage point. Uh, and that your only responsibility was to help other people enjoy a place that you loved and to create experiences for other people. I, I just loved Loved it, and I thought, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to teach it. And honestly, um, my very first training program that I ever wrote was in 1980. I wrote a program called Courtesy Training for Profit: The Art of Service, and nobody wanted to buy that. They thought I was crazy. I mean, I remember even going to Macy's trying to sell it, and they're like, "Lady, you know, nobody wants to know about this." And and I just kept at it. I kept at it, and I and and. And I kept writing notes. And by the time I wrote my first book, I really, everybody thought it was my second because I, I talked about it so much. But um, I finally got a publisher in 1992. So I stayed at the hotel for like 17 years. But it was always my dream to, to do this, to, um, to share the understanding of that really great concierge know. And um, I, I thought of it as thinking like a concierge. So... So it, uh, by the time I left my job, which was in 1992, um, I, had, I had been out training. Uh, my, one of my very first jobs was actually with Trump Airlines, believe it or not. They, they, uh, they put in a concierge service. He, he bought um, East, the Eastern Airlines shuttle. So that was kind of interesting. A anyway, um, but I think that all of the connections, you asked about that, that is all a 100% direct result of my um, membership uh, and relationship to the International Concierge Association, which is called Les Clés d'Or. And if, in fact, the, that you get what you give, I, I believe that in my case, because I wrote the first and truly only true textbook on how to be a hotel concierge from a point of view of a, um, an educator, uh, and, you, and it's used in hotel schools all over. Um, that one, one concierge even told me that she used it in a courtroom to show that it was an actual profession. And it's just so because of that. And then I was also the founder of a, a foundation for hotel concierge where, where we give money uh, to, um, to concierge who are sick and and we, you know, we've had this, this uh, for over 25 years now, and we have many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And right now we just did a thing for uh, COVID-19 because all concierge are impacted by this tremendously. Wow. I know you're all like me sitting on the edge of your seat, like, I want to be her. What a fun 
thing to do with your life be of service to so many. You're listening to Boost Power Podcast. We'll be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. Hello, we're back. Here we are on Boost Power Podcast with Holly Steele, and she's telling us the story of, you know, the unexpected start in the back of a Hyatt Regency lobby selling tours that turned into, you know, really a lifetime dedication to the hospitality industry through being a concierge and also through doing education and inspiration for concierge around the world. Um, Holly, I, I want to thank you publicly again, because you were such a good hookup for us when we were traveling in Europe. And I was so impressed that you could call friends from your industry when we were in Amsterdam or we were in England and help us really have the best experience ever um, as a family who didn't get to travel that much and had a small child. Uh, it really was helpful, the relationships you had in place. So I think, you know, we always say, what are you passionate about? I think we can see this service that is just exudes from you. And, but talk about, you know, what do you see as your purpose now? So in the early days, you were out really innovating in this industry. And now you have passed some good milestones of recent. Um, what do you think it is now as you look at where you are in your life and what you're, you know, what lights you up as Kathy would say, what are you excited about? Well, I want to tell you what I'm excited about right now. And before I do, I just want to tell anybody who's listening to this, that leaving that job at the Hyatt was for me, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, because I really thought after those 17 years that my last name was at the Hyatt. As in, hi, this is Holly at the Hyatt. And when I left, um, I, I learned something really shocking, which was that everybody seemed to be in a meeting. And um, that was really hard because for all those years when I was sending business to people, nobody was in a meeting. So in my lifetime, uh, I, I was a school teacher, so I didn't get involved in people in meetings or not. And then all of those 17 years as a hotel concierge, everybody took my calls. No one was ever in a meeting, so I didn't know. And all of a sudden, when I left my job and my last name wasn't at the Hyatt, um, everybody seemed to be in a meeting. And the transition of leaving a cushy job and something that you're very good at and successful at to go do something on your own because you um, have such fire in the belly and because I'd wanted to for so many years, it was hard. And, 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 and I, I just think that that's an important thing to understand, that, that this career that I literally made up and continue to make up uh, because it's, it, it's creative. It's, you know, no one had ever done it before exactly like this. And so when you ask, what are you excited about? You know, it's so funny, Betsy, that you would ask you know, that that particular thing, like just this morning, I'm going to give you a, <laughs> a minute. Uh, up to the minute thought process. The current event, Holly. It's a current yeah, event. It's the current event. So 
you know, I, I woke up this morning in the middle of this hi-ho, hi-ho. I always would say whenever I had a seminar or any place to go, I would always like be humming like, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. And now it was like, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's in the next room I go. And I thought, wow, um, am I supposed to retire? Is this now the time for that? I, I don't know. So I'm thinking, you know, and I went, I went for a walk in the woods. I picked some flowers. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking yeah, maybe I'm going to retire. And then when I got back from that walk, there was an email from one of my business partners that I work with video stuff on that we had just, we had filmed. I did 107 90 second clips. I took this, uh, the seminar that I've been giving for years and years. And I thought, well, maybe no one has any patience or attention span. So maybe I'll just see if I can do it in short spurts. So I went to his place and this was about a month and a half ago. And I did 107. Wow. I know, but it was so much fun. So anyway, so I get this email from Jack and I open it up today and I'm like looking at the videos and I'm going to my husband, I'm going, Bill, come look at this. This is great. Oh my God. This is really good. So I, I was retired for about three hours today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then I was like, oh wow, this is really cool. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with that. How am I going to market it? What am I going to do? But it's called Help Me Holly. And it's, got all this inspiration in it and just all my years since I've been teaching this for 28 years now. And, and I just become the woman that I've become. I mean, I, I just want to be a mentor now. And it's kind of like coming from a wise woman with experience and just sharing it from my heart. And, and I'm, I, I don't know. I like it. I thought, oh, this is really good. So yeah, that retirement thing lasted for three hours, but um, we'll see now what happens. But I, I am pretty excited about it. Yeah. Well, you know, out of out of some quiet time or darker spots, I do believe comes innovation, and I do believe that you know, for me, I've had this book in my head forever and ever and ever, and then I turned into an artist three years ago, and that was unexpected, and then. And all of a sudden, it's art and insights. That's it. It's art and insights. And I literally can sit down and write the outline to it because it's finally, it's time has come. Like, help me, Holly. You know, it's time wasn't 90 days ago. Wasn't, maybe it was 90 minutes ago now. But, you know, it's time has come. And I think that that is part of what I find fun and the adventure is to stay open to your next and try not to create judgment or story and then try it on. And then you got to try it and it works or it doesn't work, as Kathy would tell us. And then we move on. Um, so that's one of the things I would throw into people, you know, try it on. What other things? Because we love on this show to really focus on what entrepreneurs need. And I would definitely categorize you as, you know, a serial entrepreneur with all your different projects and now your art installation and all kinds of things. What else would you tell people about building a business or building an idea uh, that you have learned? from doing it? Well, I think that we, we need to understand something about that. That particular question, Betsy, is, is in just in terms of not knowing and doing it anyway. And then eventually, I think we come to a sense of knowing or to challenge ourselves or, to, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of the idea that all entrepreneurs have imposter syndrome a little bit. That is like, well, I don't know anything about that. How can I do that? I don't know. I, I just, you just keep saying yes. And you just keep going for it. And you keep doing the work. 
and, and you just put it out there. But I think it's got to be authentic and sincere, that, that it has to come from a real place. I just don't see that. I mean, if you're lucky enough that your passion is something that finds the need and fills it, then that's fantastic. But it, 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 I just think that whole thing of like, oh, pick something. I'm this. I'm going to find it. That, I don't know. I don't know how that can possibly fly. Because, because, you, you, because, because there's so many knocks down when you put yourself out. Because when you put yourself out, you know, there's, people have a lot of opinions. And that's what people have. And that's fine. And they can like you or not like you. But you have to like you. And you have to like you at every stage in this life. And the stage I'm in now is the crone. I'm in the wise elder stage and I'm owning that piece and that owning your wise elder as opposed to trying to pretend that that's not what's happening because that is what's happening. And the more that you, what you're just like, what I, I you, you just have to accept it. And then say, what is beautiful about this time? And what can I share that I know about this time? In, in again, from a place of authenticity, because there's so many things that happen at this time in life that are tremendously unpleasant. There's so much loss. There's loss of love. There's loss of loved ones. And there's loss of range of motion. There's like loss. <laughs> You know, yeah, I but, know. Right. But at the same time, there's so much that you gain in just in terms of um of knowing that knowing yourself and and accepting that. There's something about that. Like I, I really celebrated becoming a crone. And and I had people who would think a crone, that's the worst word. It means an old hack. It does not. It means the fourth phase of a woman's life. From being a maiden to being a mother to being a matriarch and then to be a crone and to own each phase of your life. And so that's where I'm at now is in the wisdom elder phase and the mentor phase. And that's what I'm excited about uh, in terms of uh, walking through that with the most... um, dignity and grace that I can. Well, and I'm going to call it with Holly style because of all the descriptors I would say about you. I still have a great memory of you and I and the gang walking down the streets of San Francisco, searching for thrift stores with great things. And you and I have that in common that we love um, fashion and beautiful fabric. And there's one that got away, Holly, that you would have loved. I was in India in the basement of the place where they sew all the things for uh, anthropology and restoration hardware. So it was the wholesaler and I was in the basement and it was, you know, crazy in India with my friend Mo and against the wall was like a 250 year old piece of tapestry. And I couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't, I didn't have that extra money really, but it's the one that got away. And I would think like Holly would have gotten this and it would be (laughs) on a jean jacket right now. I'm just saying. You just so would have. Uh, we always end with having you uh, tell everyone how to find you, and then we're going to pick one of these cards and you get to answer. So, if people are interested in how Holly can help them, if they want to get your books, some of your training, if they want the new, the new Holly, who knows? How do they find you? Well, the name of my business 
is called Thank You Very Much Incorporated. So if you just go to thankyouverymuchinc.com, you can find me. There you go. I always remember your emails. Always thank you very much. I got to find Holly. Just write thank you very much and she will pop up into your world. All right. I'm shuffling these for you. They're a very fancy card deck called Dream Big, Live Big, made by a very fancy artist that you know very well interviewing you on this. Okay. This is random. I pulled this one out and you got trust love. Where is love guiding you, Holly? Trust love. Where is love guiding you? And it says, enjoy the journey, which is something very close to you with Jana. Where is love guiding you? Are you asking me that question? Yes, I am. (laughs) Um, That's so interesting because I think that um, as challenging as these times are, whether you're alone or you're with a partner, uh, I have, I'm with my partner up here on the North coast of California, my uh, husband of 36 years. And when I, when I think about sometimes when it's challenging, for us to spend this much time together because I used to travel a lot. Um, I think where love is guiding me is the, uh, the larger, um, the larger piece of the, the incredible gift of having a very, very long marriage and to have the incredible gift of uh, lifetime love. And so that, that takes me to a much higher place than any uh, little itty bitty, uh, scratchy nonsense that's happening in the moment. So where love guides me is to the bigger picture. Oh, Holly, that is a beautiful, beautiful way to answer that card. And thank you so much for being on Boost Power Podcast. You know, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And we hope that if you're listening to this, you're drawn to this, that just getting to know just a little bit about Holly Steele has just sent you on your own inspirational journey of, you know, what can I be today? What can I choose to try, to experience, to grow, and to give back? And I, I just, I love the phases of a woman's life. And uh, you're the best 70-year-old I've ever met. And um, I'm not too far behind you, but I want to be you. So thank you for all you are and all you have given. And thanks to all of you for listening today. Um, we created Boost Power Podcast to celebrate the people, the places and things, the women, the ideas to lift you up on your journey. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit from uplifting ideas and positive energy to make this world a better place and to help women from other great women. This is your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.